0: Welcome to the Life Church podcast. We are here to help people experience a life changing relationship with Jesus. We hope you were blessed with this message recorded live from Palmerston North, New Zealand. Enjoy. I want to share, like I said, the simple story this morning, uh, or simple journey. I know the theme of um, life. Church this year has been kingdom come. And I want to, I think, I think that's just an incredibly broad and incredibly powerful theme and thing that you're walking towards. And so what I want to share this morning kind of fits into that because I believe we are all designed to carry not designed, we do carry the kingdom. When we have um, committed our lives to Jesus and when he is living in us, we have the revelation and the truth that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, lives in you this morning. And it's not just a little bit of that power. It's not a version, a watered down human version of that power. The very same power in all its magnitude that resurrected Jesus from the dead lives in you. That means we have everything we need. We have everything we need to live a life that brings glory to Jesus and that reveals Jesus to a hurt and broken world. Anyone agree with that this morning? Yeah, it's the truth. So I want to I read to you from Colossians 1, 27 to 29. I just picked this up this morning as I was kind of preparing, and, and I love this, um, this, this version. It's from the Passion Translation, but it sim- simply says this, living within you is the Christ. Who floods you with the expectation of glory? This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope, filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. That's a beautiful picture of what we have become a treasure chest filled with the glorious truth, the treasures, the riches of glory, not just for us, but for people. So our salvation and our relationship with Jesus and the walk that we are walking is not just about us, it's for other people as well. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person to the full understanding of truth. It has become, this is Paul speaking, the Apostle Paul, it has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labour with a tireless intensity, with His power flowing through me, to present to every believer the revelation of being His perfect one in Jesus Christ. I think that's powerful. Like Paul, the Apostle Paul, I've been on a bit of a Paul buzz this year because I just think his life was incredible. If you don't, haven't read some of the New Testament, some of the epistles, which were letters written to the churches that were planted in that time, and most of them were written by the Apostle Paul, who had been an absolute devout Jew, follower of every law of Jewish culture. He, he was able to say, I have been faultless in keeping the law. That's like one of us saying, I have never committed a sin. So in terms of keeping the law, he was faultless. He, was, he knew his right standing in Jewish tradition, and yet he was persecuting and murdering Christians because he, it was so um, in opposition to what he believed was the right way. You know, completely clouded. And then he had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Jesus presented himself to him and basically said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul, Paul, he was Saul, was struck blind and then led into a town. And for three days he was blind. The last thing he saw before he lost his vision was the picture of the face of Jesus, the God, the king that he had been persecuting and murdering Christians. Can you imagine what he was feeling those three days? Oh, my gosh, what have I done? I've been murdering these people, and yet Jesus, the living God, the Messiah, he had an absolute 180-degree change of heart because he had an encounter with Jesus. That's, that, that's crazy, and yet it's all of our reality and possibility. We are meant to encounter Jesus in that way. I mean, not to be struck blind, and hopefully we haven't been murdering Christians, but, you know, your, your own way. <laughs> but but that's, that's our reality. When we meet Jesus, I shared last night at the woman's event, I met Jesus as a 12-year-old on the street delivering my papers did a paper run, the evening post in Wellington. And I was delivering papers, but my sister had become a Christian and she had something that I knew I wanted and needed. I didn't know what it was, but I saw it in her. And then while I was delivering my papers, I simply surrendered my heart and said, Jesus, I give up. Come into my heart, make me clean. I need you. And I physically felt him rush in and change my life completely. I was not the same person. Same person, Completely different person. New creation in Jesus. And I've never walked away from that. I encountered Jesus on the street and my life was changed. That's the true um, essence of repentance. Repentance isn't this, oh, I'm such a worm and I've done all these terrible things. I mean, we should have a revelation of the things we've done before meeting Jesus. But repentance is simply saying, I was walking this way and I've met Jesus and now I'm going this way. That's repentance, a change of mind, a change of thinking. And so I'm kind of going off track here but <laughs> but I love this patient pe- passage because it just highlights this incredible um, responsibility and privilege that we now have to walk carrying the message. Christ is our message, not all the ideologies and the things going on in the world. We all know that the world is in a crazy state, but the message hasn't changed. It's Christ and Christ alone. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, died on a cross, was resurrected so that we could have Real life, free life, true life, and the hope of eternity—that's the message. It doesn't change. And we, when we have taken that on board, now have the responsibility to be kingdom carriers and to see His kingdom come through the way we live our lives. Does that make sense? You all know that I'm preaching to converted, but um, but I want to read to you. So this is where we're going this morning. As I said. This, uh, the thing God said to me at the beginning of the year was simplify, bring it all back to basics. And I want to just, um, give you a simple message this morning about, I guess, how to walk out that kingdom culture, how to, how to carry the kingdom on a daily basis in a way that is practical, but actually brings change. And I've got like five points. I'll whip through them quickly, but I want to actually kind of land this in the middle of a passage of scripture that I've read many, many times. And in, con- in, in its, in its um, standalone and isolation, for me, it's always been a, a, a a passage of scripture that I've read about the power of praise and and breaking through, breaking chains. And when I read it, you'll understand what I'm meaning. And I've you know I've preached this this passage in worship conferences, and I've taught it to people in discipling. You know, if you need breakthrough in your life, respond with praise. You know, but this passage that I'm going to share with you actually sits in the context of a much bigger story. And when we see it in the context of that story, we suddenly go, "Oh my gosh, this is only a small part of a very big big story." So I want Want to kind of unpack that for you this morning. Um, and it starts with Acts 16, verse 23 to 26. If you have your Bibles online, if you have your Bibles, feel free to read along. This again is the I think it's the Passion Translation, but it says this: After they were severely beaten, oh, it's not a nice way to start a scripture, is it? <laughs> After they were severely beaten, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them securely. So the jailer placed them in the innermost cell of the prison and had their feet bound and chained. Paul and Silas, undaunted, prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. And suddenly a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison and all at once every prison door flung open and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. That's a that's a powerful passage, right? And it's very easy to read that. How many of you have read that? that passage of scripture before or heard a message on it online, if you've heard that, you don't need to put your hands up. But um, but if you have, it's, it's probably been in isolation. And it's probably been about, you know, if you need a personal breakthrough in your life, Choose to praise. I preached it. You know, choose. Equippers Revolution, the, the youth movement of our church, wrote a song called Hands High that says, my response will always be to praise. No matter what comes, I know that I'll always choose to praise. And that's based in this story, the sense of Paul and Silas in prison and they praise God and the chains fall off and the doors open and they are set free. And so we read it in isolation. And usually we read it in relation to our own journey. But forgetting, as I said, that there's a much bigger picture here. And so this story, um, yes, it's powerful. Yes, it is talking about the power of praise in the midst of circumstances, but it's not the whole story. And in the context of this story in Acts sixteen, um, we find Paul and some of his compatriots. Is that a word? friends, his ministry buddies. So we see them basically um, wanting to visit the churches that they've already planted in Turkey and um, sort of the Middle East. And so they've been planting churches, they're pastors, they're apostles, they're, you know, prophets, they're going to encourage the churches. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit stops them from going to these different places. And I wonder if Paul and Silas had just become a little bit comfortable in their ministry. You know, they were doing good things. You know, reaching the churches, encouraging the believers, but I wonder if they were becoming a little bit a little bit comfortable, and the Holy Spirit had another plan for them. And that plan was not to contain the gospel within the region where it already was, but was to take it into the ends of the earth, basically to let the gospel loose in Europe. And so, um, so. Um, um, first point, here we go. Choose to choose to listen. Here's the thing. In Acts 16, 6-8, six this is what this says. The Holy Spirit had forbidden Paul and his partners to preach the word in the southwestern provinces of Turkey. So they ministered throughout the region of central and west-central Turkey. And when they got as far west as the borders of Mysia, they repeatedly attempted to go north into the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to enter. So again, like I say, this is Paul and Silas and the guys going, let's go visit our churches. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's saying, no, 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 don't go back there. I'm not calling you to go back there. I'm not. That's not what I have for you. They chose to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And and if they hadn't, imagine what they would have done. They would have been doing good things, visiting the churches, encouraging the believers. But like I said, the Holy Spirit had a different mission for them. He had a bigger Part of the story that he needed to write through them. And so they listened, they heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you this morning if you want to be one who's carrying the kingdom, if you want to see the kingdom come and be worked out through your life, you need to be listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You need to be listening on the daily. You know, how many times, I don't know about you, but I've, you know, I felt the Holy Spirit say, go here, speak to this person, or, um, you know, do whatever. Have a conversation with, dare to pray for this person. I have someone that I want. You You know, and, and on the daily, God is speaking to us. He's always speaking. He's always giving us instruction if we choose to listen. Imagine if Paul and Silas hadn't chosen to listen. Because they would have had the choice not to. I think the Holy Spirit would have worked through someone else. But this was the... This was the vehicle he was using at the time. Imagine they'd chosen to go, oh, no, 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 I don't think that's God. That's the enemy speaking. Don't go. Well, why would God say don't go back to this church? That seems kind of contradictory to something God would say, and yet they knew the feel of the voice of the Holy Spirit. They knew that it was him speaking, so they had to obey. We can't go back and visit these other churches. God has a different road for us to walk. And then in Acts 16, verse 9, so they end up at the seaport of Troas, And it says, while staying there, Paul experienced a supernatural ecstatic vision during the night. A man from Macedonia appeared before him, pleading with him, you must come across the sea to Macedonia and help us. Macedonia was in the the province of Greece, at so the bottom of Europe, and he sees a vision. So he's had the Holy Spirit two or three times say, no, you don't go back there, and he hasn't revealed yet what he wants them to do, but they end up, end up on the, the seaport of Troas, and there the Holy Spirit speaks to, to Paul in a vision, and he shows him the face of a man from Macedonia, a man from Greece, and he says... The man's beckoning, say, come over here, come across the sea and help us. And in the message translation, it's really cool. It says, Paul had his map. So all of a sudden, he knew what the Holy Spirit was wanting them to do. And, and they reckoned that the, the gap, the little distance by sea between where they were and the entrance into Europe was a very, very, very short distance. And so they made that trip and they ended up in Macedonia and the Holy Spirit directed them to a place called Philippi. And Philippi was a um, was a really uh, Roman stronghold. It was a probably a lot of um, ex-Roman soldiers would retire there. Very, very strongly Roman occupied, but a lot of Jews living there as well. And so, because they had chosen to listen to the Holy Spirit, they end up on this journey. They've been given the map through the vision, a Macedonian man, but they have no idea what they're going for. But they just know they're on mission. They know there's something the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through them in this place. So point number one, choose to listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit on the daily. Listen to what he's saying. Um, And and from my experience, it's usually the little things he's talking to me about. You know, just just the little things in our lives. We often think, I want the direction and the big things. But he's kind of wanting to see if we're going to listen to the small things, the little areas that he's talking to us about or the direction he's given us. So number one, choose to listen Point number two, choose to walk, which probably sounds a bit weird because it's kind of what we do, eh? But but I'm talking about as we walk, there are on the way moments in our everyday life. So things that the Holy Spirit's speaking to us, you know, as we, you know, how many times have we been like, oh, I was on my way to the post office and I saw this person and they, Told me about someone that they that they know, and I'm like, oh, I know that person too. And they say, Oh, they're going through a really hard time. You go, I need to pray for them. You know, or you you're going somewhere else and you encounter a homeless person and you feel the Holy Spirit say, just give them some money, offer to pray for them. It's those on-the-way moments. And we all have those on-the-way moments in our everyday walk. Choose to walk and choose to take those opportunities. So, so Paul and Silas are in Philippi, the Roman colony, the Roman stronghold. There's no semblance of the gospel. There are Jewish believers there, strict conservative Jews, but the the gospel hasn't spread here yet. And so there's no concept of Jesus as Messiah that is known of or responded to there. So Acts 16.13 says, "...when the Sabbath day came, we went outside the gates of the city to the nearby river, for there appeared to be a house of prayer and worship there." So they've heard about, they're on their way to worship on the Sabbath, but on the way they've heard about a house of prayer and worship. And so they go to check it out. They go outside the city gates and down by the river, there happens to be a bit of a prayer meeting going on. And they meet a woman called Lydia, who's a very wealthy woman. The Bible talks a wee bit about Lydia. She's um, wealthy. She's got big good standing in the community and she's a Jew, but she's not a Christian. And so they sit with her. And they tell her about Jesus, and it says in that in that story that Lydia and her whole household give their hearts to Jesus, the beginning of a, of a gathering of people of of Christians. the gospel is starting to spread, and it was on the way, and on the way moment on the way to the you know on Sabbath on the way to the Place they they hear about this house of prayer and worship and they encounter Lydia. And Lydia, everyone needs a rich woman in their church. <laughs> she was like a wealthy woman, so she became an integral part of the birthing of that church. And then um Acts 16 says this: Acts 16, verse 16. One day as we were going to the house of prayer. We encountered a young slave girl who had an evil spirit of divination, the spirit of python. She had earned great profits for her owners by being a fortune teller. So then on the way, as they were going to the house of prayer, they encountered this this demon-possessed girl who's a fortune teller, and men are making money off her ability to tell people's fortunes. So she's bound up by a demonic spirit. But operating in that spirit and people are, you know, making money from her. And so, but she's saying, follow these men. They are men of God. Listen to what they're saying. But they know it's a mocking spirit, Paul and Silas. And Paul's had enough. He's like frustrated. He casts the spirit out of her and she gets completely released. And, you know, the demonic presence is gone. But because of that, the, um, the men who are earning money off her grab Paul and Silas and take them into a, into the city and incite a riot about them because they've lost their livelihood and this woman's now free. And I don't know, but I wonder whether she, you know, then became part of the church. Maybe she was the prophet of the church. You know, like I've heard of people who have a psychic gift, but actually when they, turn their hearts to Jesus, it becomes a prophetic gift. It was always a prophetic gift, but it was operating in the wrong spirit. So I don't know, this is just me kind of making some, you know, suppositions, but who knows? So choose to walk. Number two, choose to walk. In every part of your day, you have opportunities that the Holy Spirit's setting up where you can carry the kingdom and help people encounter Jesus. It might not be preaching the word. It might not be, but hopefully it's not Bible bashing people. You know, St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel when necessary, use words. There should be such a sense of the presence of God in us that when we encounter people through a smile, through a kind word, they sense the presence of Jesus and it should make them hunger for what we have. That's how we carry the message. That's how we translate it. So number two, choose to walk. Choose to be one who listens to the voice of the Holy Spirit, obeys it, and then has these encounters throughout the day. As you go into your world, your workplace, your university, your schools and your relationships and your families choose to walk, choose to take, um, you know, those opportunities seriously. So, so then um, a, a little story, a little example of this. Um, I was in a, a store one day and i have been saying to the Holy Spirit, I want to just kind of impact people for Jesus. I want to have some conversations today where people might, you know, be impacted by Jesus. And so I was in the store, a Vodafone store, getting a battery for my, for my phone and there was two queues here. I was here, another lady was there, and we were both stepping up to the counter to be served at the same time. I'm like, right here's my opportunity, I'm going to see you, and strike up a conversation with the girl serving me. And and I noticed she had a really beautiful ring on. And I said, oh, good morning, can I have a, you know, here to get a battery for my phone. Um, I said, "But, but I thought, oh, here's my opportunity. I said, that's a beautiful ring. She said, oh, thank you. I said, is it an engagement ring? And she goes, it was. I'm like, oh, um. Okay. I'm thinking, oh, this is not quite how I thought the response you know, the conversation was gonna go. And she just quickly unpacked that, you know, she'd been in a relationship, engaged, they'd got pregnant, her partner wanted to have an abortion, she didn't want to, so he left her. And and so this was now long no no longer an engagement ring. And you could see it was very heavy in her heart. I'm like, Oh, um, oh, holy spirit, that's not how I thought the conversation would go. But then the woman next to me goes, Oh, I know how that feels. And she starts to kind of explain really briefly that she'd been in a similar situation. I'm like, and starts to cry. I'm like, this is not at all how I expected this conversation to go. Like I wanted to be able to share the love of Jesus. And so I felt completely side, you know, blindsided. I said, thank you for the battery. Have a great day. God bless. And that was my one thing. God bless. I'm like, lame. But as I walked out of the store, I clearly heard the Holy Spirit say, don't leave. Don't let that woman leave without talking to her. And so I hid in the store next door, <laughs> covert behind a little bush. But, um, but so, and, and as she walked out of the store, I just approached her and I said, it was in a big mall. I said, look, I'm, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to upset you this morning. I, I can tell that, you know, that something very tender going on. I said, do you want to talk? She goes, that'd be great. And we ended up walking through the mall and she unpacked her story for me and it was she was going through a battle with breast cancer um, and her, she had a 17 year old son her partner hated her son and basically in the midst of this really hard time she said, "You choose him or me?" And she goes, "I can't choose you over my son. I, I want to have both, but I, I need to stand by my son." and he left her in the middle of all the stuff. And and she was heartbroken. She was battling through this cancer battle, and I, I just, oh, I was, my heart just went out for her. So I, so I said to her, we got outside a supermarket, and I said, you know, I'd I'd love to pray for you, meaning I'll go home and pray for you at home. And she goes, yes, please, that'd be great. And she stood and closed her eyes. <laughs> So so I just prayed and I just said, Holy Spirit, you know, would you be near to her? Would you be close to her? Would you reveal your presence? Would you bring your comfort? Would you let her know? She had a Catholic background, so she had some idea of of the gospel, but just ask for the Holy Spirit's presence. And then I said to her, you know, I'd love to have a, you know, if you ever need to talk, here's my number. If you want to have a coffee and just talk, I'd love to. And she took my number and I've never heard from her. But that's not my responsibility. It was a "as you walk" moment. As you know, I chose to walk. I chose as I went to get my phone battery, and and the Holy Spirit brought about the situation. It's not my responsibility to complete the journey, but my little part was part of her big story. And I believe other people would have come alongside and brought her along the journey to a greater revelation of Jesus. That's what we called to: as you walk, choose to walk, choose to walk out your daily life with the revelation that the Holy Spirit wants to use you as you go. Is that cool? So uh, back to... Paul and Silas, so they've released the demon-possessed woman. The men who are earning money have dragged them into the city. They're furious. They're angry. They incite a riot against them. And a mob, you know, grows. And they get basically thrown into prison. Now, Paul is not a stranger to prison. Most of the epistles were written from prison. He seemed to land himself in prison quite often. But the, the thing is, if that had been me, I would have been like, what am I doing? This is so unfair. I haven't done anything wrong. I've just been following Jesus and doing, you know, that probably would have been my initial response. And point number three is choose to respond. Choose to respond in a way that is going to be glorifying to Jesus. Um, Here's the thing. A number of years ago, we were at Saddleback Church. It was when we were in the parachute band. And there was a woman there, a princess from Zambia, who was a, an, an AIDS sufferer, HIV sufferer, and she was an AIDS awareness advocate, and it was AIDS awareness week. And she was touring around the world, really, um, talking about um, AIDS and, and making people aware. And she was a born-again Christian. She'd nursed in both her parents to death through HIV. She was HIV positive, and she was aware that her nine-year-old daughter was probably HIV positive as well but they loved Jesus, and she had this passionate ministry. And I remember her standing up and standing on this platform in front of 3,000 people just saying, I count it an honor to carry this disease for the glory of Jesus. I was, like, gobsmacked. Like, I counted an honor to carry this disease for the glory of Jesus. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I was complaining about having a cold last week. <laughs> like, really... It, really arrested my heart I'm like oh my gosh like what some people are carrying or what they're willing to carry and obviously there'd been a choice to respond in the midst of a really hard situation she made her choice she chose her perspective and this is Paul and Silas and that's where we find them in the prison you know the little passage I read at the beginning and here's the thing about a Roman prison there were three levels to a Roman prison the first level was, the, was called the communiora. That's where there was still light. There was fresh air. It was a little bit like minimum security. So they could kind of relate a little bit. You know, probably light crimes went to the communiora. And then the second level was the interior aura. That's where they were in, in cells, but they possibly still had fresh air and some light, but still in a, you know, still locked up in a prison. The third level of the prison was called the Tulanium. That was basically the dungeon where men were sent to die. And and they were put, you know, it says, it's quite, you know, blasé the way it says it in the Bible, but they were put in chains. Those chains were designed not just to hold them to the wall but designed to stretch their limbs, arms and legs to the point of unbearable agony. And that's the chains and that's the, the dungeon, the prison that Paul and Silas were thrown into for just casting a demon out of a girl. And, and here's the thing. Their response was to praise and worship. So like I said, when I've read that passage before, it's always been, Oh, you know, that's when I need a breakthrough, when I need release, when I've got chains that need breaking off. If I, if I just praise Jesus, and that's absolutely true. Praise brings breakthrough. Praise brings, um, the power of heaven. Jesus is attracted to our praise. So there is power in our choice to praise. But again, Paul and Silas are in this prison, they praise God, all the prisoners are listening, which is really cool, the prisoners in the other dark, no light, no um fresh air prison, they're all listening, and an earthquake happens, the chains are all broken off. So the agony stretching chains broken off and the doors are opened. And their response is to stay put. <laughs> they don't leave the prison. I would have gapped it. I would have been like, yes, the chains are broken off. Our praise afforded for us what we were hoping. We're free. Paul and Silas, their response was, we didn't come here to be free. We're here on mission. We haven't seen the mission completed yet. There's a purpose for us being in this prison. And therefore, in the midst of the really hard situation, we're going to praise, we're going to worship, we're going to pray because that's what we know to do, and we're going to wait to see the Holy Spirit fulfill the mission through them. They That encountered Lydia, that encountered the demon-possessed girl, but they hadn't yet seen the Macedonian man that Paul saw in the vision, And so they stay put because the mission isn't complete. and That's a crazy response. But praise and worship changes our perspective. You know, when we're stuck in the midst of our natural circumstances and we get so caught up in what's going on in the natural, what's going on in the temporary around us, We Our our perspective gets very, very insular and it becomes all about us. But when we can elevate our gaze, when we can lift our voice, when we can lift our eyes, when we can declare the Lordship of Jesus like we have done this morning, when we can praise and worship and respond in that way in the midst of the really hard stuff, there's a perspective shift that happens for us, but also there's a freedom for the Holy Spirit to move. And so this is what happened. So, Paul and Silas, and they, they praise, the chains break off, they don't leave, and all the prisoners stay as well. Remember, there's been no, the, the gospel that wouldn't have reached those prisoners, but you can imagine the, the presence of God in that, pres- in that prison. Can you imagine the, these men, they're chained, but they're singing, and they're praying, and they're worshipping. The other prisoners are probably going, What the heck is this? Like, how can these guys in absolute agony, they're probably all screaming out in agony, these guys are praising and lifting up some guy's name, Jesus, and they're worshipping, but the presence of God would have been so thick in that prison that the prisoners, I imagine, were going, I want some of that. Like, I'm in this prison, but I, I, I want what they've got. That's the power of being a kingdom carrier full of the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus. People should see it in us. And so... They all stay put. And the jailer, here's the response. The jailer, because his one job, he's a retired Roman soldier put on station in this prison. And his one job is to guard the prisoners. He, the earthquake happens, the chains and the, and the gates all fly open. He's like, my life is on the line here. And he goes to kill himself because he knows that's what's going to be required of him. He, he gives his life to guard those prisoners and they've all escaped. So he goes to fall on his knife, and Paul calls out, don't do it, we're all still here. Can you imagine what the jailer's thinking? What the heck? What, like if there's an earthquake, there's praise, and there's this amazing sense of some presence here, and they haven't left. And this is the thing. This is amazing. And this is actually kind of part of, of point four, which is choose to zoom. In other words, see the bigger picture. So um, so Paul and Silas's response elicits this, this um, miracle happening, but then choosing to zoom. So in the middle of your circumstances, don't get so caught up in the very temporal, temporal part of it, but zoom out, Dare to see the bigger picture. Dare to see that your story is part of the big story of mankind, that God is working and navigating and knitting behind your back and engineering things to bring you to a greater revelation of Jesus, but also to use you to bring the hurt and broken world to a greater revelation of Jesus. It's all about that. That's what we live for. So so point four, choose to Zoom. Um, in Acts 16, 29 to 33, This is what it says. The jailer, so he's basically gone to fall on his knife. Paul said, don't, don't do it. We're all still here. The jailer called for a light. And when he saw that they were all still in their cells, he rushed in and fell trembling at their feet. Can you imagine what he was thinking, what he was feeling? This is crazy. I've never seen something like this before. I've never sensed a presence like this before. The chains have fallen off. The prisoners are all still here. This is crazy. What is going on here? And he's trembling and he falls to their feet. Um, And then he led Paul and Silas outside and asked, what must I do to be saved? Uh, How did he know that he needed to be saved? The gospel hasn't even reached this part, but the presence of the Holy Spirit, the very presence of Jesus is in these men and he's seeing it and sensing it and his one response is, what must I do to be saved? Here's the other thing, which I think is pretty amazing. I wonder if the jailer was the Macedonian man in the vision. And I wonder if when Paul and Silas saw the jailer, they thought, this is is who we've come for. He's our mission So when these chains come off, we're not going anywhere because we need to get that guy saved. He needs to meet Jesus. I wonder if the Holy Spirit, when he revealed that vision to Paul on the seaport of Troas, I wonder if they were basically, um, he was basically showing a vision of this man who didn't even know yet that he needed Jesus, but the Bible says we're all born with the knowledge of God written on our hearts, and it just needs to be awakened and I wonder if this man in his spirit, maybe there was a there was a, a yearning, there was a maybe, you know, he's a retired Roman soldier, he's probably thinking, What's my life come to? Is this it? I guard some prisoners, and if one escapes, I'm it's that's it. My life's over. There's gotta be more than this. And I wonder if that's why the Holy Spirit, because he had a plan for that man. Maybe he was a Macedonian man that Paul saw in the vision. And then I love this, he says. What must they do to be saved? And they answered, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and all your family. And then they prophesied the word of the Lord over him and all his family. And even though the hour was late, it was probably at 1 a.m. because it will happen at midnight. Even though the hour was late, he washed their wounds and then he and all his family were baptized. And he took Paul and Silas into his home and set them at his table and fed them. That's a beautiful picture of a man who's been turned around by Jesus. He's encountered Jesus. He's got saved, baptized his whole family, and then he washes their wounds and he feeds them. What sort of a man does that sound like to you? Sounds like a pastor to me. It sounds like a man that could lead a church. And I wonder, again, doesn't say so in the Bible, but I wonder if the the Philippian jailer was actually the pastor of the Philippian church there was Lydia, there was the demon-possessed girl and their families, there was the jailer and his family all got saved and baptised. And Paul knew that that's what they were there for. When they were in the prison and they were released, they didn't run because they said, we didn't come here to get free, we came here to save this man when they saw him and plant the church in Philippi. And that church was the launch into the whole of Europe, knowing the gospel. Your life is part of a much, much bigger picture the things you're walking through temporarily. And I can testify, I've walked through some pretty hard things in my 54 years. And I've had to choose to worship and praise through them. And I've had to choose to lift up Jesus even in the midst of things that I'm like, I don't understand why this is happening or this is really hard, but I'm gonna lift up Jesus because I know that my my journey has not finished and there's more to the way I'm living my life. It's not just about me. You know, I go back again to that that passage about the praising and worship in, in the prison, and I'm like, ah, oh, I used to read that and think it was about my breakthrough. It's not. Yes, it is, but it's also about everybody else that your world connects with, that your world, your personal life intersects with. It's about meeting them, it's about revealing Jesus to them. And point number five is choose mission. Choose mission. Don't be so consumed with your personal world, and even in your pain, you can choose to change your perspective. Something I love to say is, you know, often we, we view God's character or nature through the filter of our circumstances, and because we're going through hard things, we say, oh, I'm going through this thing, therefore God must not be faithful, or God must not be a provider, or God must have left me. But we need to flip that and we need to view our circumstances through the filter of God's character and nature. God is good. Therefore, this situation I'm walking through has an outcome that I haven't seen yet. But if I keep walking with Him and I keep carrying the kingdom and I keep lifting up Jesus and I keep my focus on Him and His Word, I'm going to walk walk into that outcome. And it's going to be part of a much bigger story. So choose mission. Who in your world? You know, the Great Commission... When, when Jesus left the earth, he said to the disciples, "Go into all the world and make disciples." I, that, that was his last instruction. Now, because of what you've received, Holy Spirit's in you. Now, go into all the, all the world and make disciples. I used to think that meant go to India and and preach to un, you know nations that haven't heard, or go to some far off country. And I just think, why well, don't know if I'm called to that. But the translation of that verse isn't "go into all the world." It's "as you go." As you go into all the world, and that world is your world, your world, your workplace, your school, your university, the world of your friendships, the world of your relationships, the world of your family. As you go into all your world, make disciples. That's what we're called to. That's the mission. And and that's when when we choose to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit daily. Spend time with him, listen to his voice, do what he's asking us to do. When we choose to walk, that as you go moments, who can I connect with today, Jesus, that will help? And I can help bring them a little bit closer to the awareness of your nearness. As you, um, as you choose to respond the right way, lift up the name of Jesus. I said it last night: rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. That's, that's God's will for us. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5:16 says that. And then choose to zoom. Choose to not be so zoomed in to your particular situation that you forget the big picture. You know, momentary blip, big picture of the story of mankind being reconnected to Jesus with the hope of eternity. That's what we call to. And so I want to encourage us this morning. You know, um, Jesus basically said, when he was challenged by some Pharisees about what was the greatest commandment. You know, they were trying to trip him up. And he was saying, I haven't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. All of the law is summed up in my life. It's a whole new way of living. And they said, well, what are the greatest commandments? And he said, can be summed up in two. The whole of the law summed up in two commandments. Love God, love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, or whatever it is, mind, strength. And number two, love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Be, a, be a, um, a vehicle of love. Be a vessel of love. Pray for the sick. Bring comfort to those who are mourning. If someone's hurt and in need of, of um, help, help them. Jesus said, the least when you did it to the least of them, you do, it, you do it to me. Your neighbour is the one around you that's hurt and broken and needs Jesus. I said hurt and broken. Hurt and broken. And needs Jesus. Love God, love people. That's our mandate. So I want to encourage you this morning, choose to listen, choose to walk, choose to respond, choose to Zoom, and choose mission. Because I I think if we simplify, keep our eyes on Jesus and the Word, we're going to be living the greatest adventure. We're saying to Sophie and Tori before, it's like this covert mission. Like we're in a movie, covertly doing the work of God. It's exciting. And I, I find that as I reach out to others, some of my stuff just gets sorted in the process. Yeah, so let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can comment, subscribe, or share it with your friends. For more information, visit us at lifechurchpn.co.nz Have a blessed week.